I'm Christian Bush. And I'm Cindy Watts. Welcome to our podcast, 52. I turned 52 this year, believe it or not, and I am releasing 52 songs to celebrate. This podcast looks at the relationship between my 52 new songs and 52 of my most popular songs from my back catalog with plenty of stories and laughs along the way. <laughs> See, look, I love this. I started I started making Cindy laugh before the even the podcast began. That's right. Sure did. So that it, it starts with a laugh, which is it makes me feel good about me. Well, very good. Are you ready the, for some dad jokes? Will they keep the laughs coming? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> I, I like to set dad jokes up with low expectations. Oh, very good. And, uh, you know, these, these could be really bad. Okay. Let's start there. Okay. Uh, my mom was a radiologist. She met my dad when he came in for an x-ray. I wonder what she saw in him. A rib cage? See, that did not land the way that I had hoped it would. <laughs> but you know i all right they can't all be picture perfect hey what do you call a zombie who doesn't joke around what dead serious oh, Lord. okay then. hey can, can trees poop <laughs> i don't know can trees poop yes how else do we get number two pencils oh I'm going to tell that one to my 10-year-old. He'll love it. Hey, dad jokes exist because kids laugh. All right. Then. Or yeah. they don't, right? Either way. Yeah. You ready? Scientists have recently discovered a food that greatly reduces sex drive. It's called wedding cake. <laughs> I got gotcha. you. That's funny. It took a minute. I think you're, I think you're, in, you're in the even numbers, not the odd numbers. They usually say jokes go in threes. Just, yeah. For you today, four. Fours. It took it took four. Well, it, the wedding cake was good. You're slightly jet lagged, right? Yes. Slightly jet lagged for sure. Maybe more than slightly. It's twenty twenty six hour travel day yesterday, something like that. Oh wow. Does jet lag happen on day two for you or day one? It depends on if I'm coming or going. I'm typically pretty good. Um I think tomorrow. Yeah. I'll so it's day two. Yeah. Yeah. For me, it's day two. My, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, I love to talk about Benji Shanks, my wonderful friend and guitar player. He's yes. out with Blackberry Smoke right now. And um, he, he was starting his tour in, uh, in Madrid yesterday. And um, I, I, of course, like immediately realized that I was about to dispense useless wisdom to him. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was like, well, hey, man, Andrew and I and Billy Pilgrim started our tour in Madrid once, and we kind of got it all wrong because no one told us that the shows there don't start till midnight because everybody goes out so late in Madrid. Like really? the opening act literally starts at like 1130 p.m. And then the headliner goes on at like 130. And of course, I was so anxious to be on time for our very first show yeah. that I got to I did exactly what they told me. I got off the airplane and I took a sleeping pill. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I went to sleep for six hours so that I would be fresh for a five thirty sound check. Right. And then, you know, I'd be able to kill it, but somehow my timing wore out pretty bad. Like I've timed it 
totally opposite of the way that I should have. And as Andrew and I rolled into our first gig as Billy Pilgrim on our like um, European swing solo wise, right? We started mm-hmm. in Madrid and you won't believe this. Like I can't, this is exactly the kind of thing I would say, but I, I rolled in and I started watching our opening act and our opening act was a new band called Radiohead. And <laughs> they were singing Creep, which was their new single. Right. And I sat there and I was like, oh, Lord, I'm so sleepy. And this band is so good. Oh, oh man, that was a very strange night I to have to was. go on after that. But of course, the crowd had never seen them either. Right. You know, they, they were playing our stuff on the radio. But anyway, um, jet lag is a, is a two-day thing. So I told Benji, I was like, you're going to Madrid, man. You're going to be careful. You know, <laughs> two days, it's going to knock you out. He's like, well, you know, we planned on going to get like pig meals, you know, Iberian pig dinner and and uh, and uh, flamenco dancing. And also he, he's doing all the cool stuff because apparently Blackberry Smoke is 10 times cooler than Billy Pilgrim. I don't know um, what an Iberian pig dinner is. Oh, Iberian jambon. Oh, you you have a thing to experience one day. It's a special kind of pork prepared in a special way. That is? Yeah, just go ahead and put it on your list. Okay. Is it like one of those weird full body things? No, no, this is not like uh, the boar's head tail. celebration where they're, that's very British. Oh, okay. That they're putting like an apple in the mouth and <laughs> yeah. carrying the uh, yeah. half yeah. roasted pig. No, this is a this is a delicacy. Very good. This um, uh, this particular episode of Fifty Two, we're gonna go dive into a couple things. We're gonna dive into the first track of Fifty Two this year called "Can't Fix," yes. and I would like to also pair it with a song that I just finished producing that just got released on a new artist, Megan Maroney. Um, it's called I'm Not Pretty. And it just came out, oh, geez, maybe three weeks ago, maybe more, depending on when this episode's going to air. Right. Recently. Recently. And um, and I'm excited because they both have this kind of like, if, I don't know, this is kind of a dorky thing to say, I guess, now that I think about it. But if there could be a musical version of Poetic. That's what these things are. Okay. They sound, the sound of their music reflects the vibe of what they're saying. Right. And let me, let me give you an example of um, what that might mean by a song you do know. You know that um, Don't Worry, Be Happy? Yes. The old Bobby McFerrin song where he sings and does all the pieces and it's a, You know, this little yes. whistle. Um, do, 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 do. Uh, that song is an example melodically and musically of the sentiment they're singing about. Right? Mm-hmm. Don't worry. Be happy. That song sounds exactly like whatever that is. If there was a melody that went to that. That's what it would be. Um, and Can't Fix the 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 actual lyric of the song is there's nothing that a beach can't fix right mm. so i'm trying to get you to water right and then i'm not pretty um is this kind of uh dazed kind of complete relaxed conversation about i don't know man 
somebody somewhere is checking out my Instagram and talking about the way I look. His new girlfriend is looking at his old girlfriend, right? Mm -hmm. And it's this kind of, the vibe of the singer is this, well, I feel pretty good right now. It's cool, man. I'm okay. And the music is exactly that without there ever being a lyric to it. Like you could understand what's happening emotionally, even with barely a little lyric. So I'm interested in both of these songs for the, those, the, that connection. And then I'm also kind of curious as a journalist, how these two songs can both exist in country music at the exact same time. Um, because they are vo- both very, very different, very, very yes. modern. And they're both happening right now. They're both considered country music right now. Um, where, how do we start this? Uh, we will start it with this. If I was to say how excited I am to self-proclaim, and I've done this a couple of times, that um, one of my missions in life that I have understood belongs to me is to um, be a proponent and a creator of roller skate country. Yes. Right. Now, when I say that, what what do you think about? Well, the first thing I, that came to mind was, do you know how to roller skate? But that's probably not what you were talking about. Well, maybe. I mean, I, I went to the roller rink in Sevierville. I did too. That was by the, in Pigeon Forge, that was by the, uh, uh-huh. the, the old mill. Oh, I know. I know exactly. I spent many a days there. When I, I was totally, a kid. I, yeah. And uh, roller rinks, I, they're dark with multicolored lights. Oh yeah, I mean, skaters reverse. I even knew how to like mm-hmm. do the go down on one skate and put the other one out in front of you. I was never good. very good at skating backward. Well, you know, you're gonna have that. Were you good at good at skating backwards? <sighs> Probably not, because it sounds like that requires balance and coordination, and I don't have <laughs> either of those. Well, how did you just enjoy going to the skating rink because you wanted the French fries and hang out in the booth, or did you skate? No, I skated, but I went to daycare right when I was a little kid in Pigeon Forge, and they took you four times a week whether you wanted to go or not. Oh, you had to go anyway. Yeah, does to that mean anyway. you were holding on to the rope, and all the little kids were pulled by the rope in the circle? No, they gave you skate lessons, so you just fell down a whole lot. <laughs> whole lot remember and i skated on the carpet a lot because you didn't go as fast yeah and it goes fast yeah yeah Yeah. you could do that almost stumble and fall yeah and and it's still not get hurt you just bounced (laughs) that was fine did you ever progress into as an adult into the inline skates the uh no the rollerblading i I did not i did not i can snow ski pretty well that's good yeah over gallenberg yep but that that's as close as I do now to roller skating. So something I just noticed, I want to pause for a second. Yeah. Because I, I need an official ruling on this. Yeah. Um, I said backward and you said backwards. Mm-hmm. Which is the correct use? I believe it's backward. So. At least that's what Grammarly tells me when I run it. And when you do it. Yeah. So is there a word called backwards? Um, is there a word called forwards? No. Is it just forward? It's forward and backward. But when you forwards and backwards is an East Tennessee thing. It is. There's an S on everything. <laughs> it is. It is. And you moved to Atlanta too early to maintain that S. So you you left town too early and lost the S. I lost <laughs> Christian. Christian. That's how they say my Christian. name in East Tennessee. Yeah. Christian. Yeah. They say Cindy Nicole is what they say. Nicole. Cindy Nicole. Yeah. 
<laughs> I love it. All right. Well, roller skate country to me is this um, vibe where you are able to dance to country music without line dancing. Yeah. This is a non-line dance to country music. The country music in a way. So the, the way that I put it on the continuum, and this is just my fantasy life. This is not real in any other way than on my podcast. Um, I like to accept the reality that bro country happened. Okay. And I know at the time that I had many discussions on a bus with my singing partner, Ms. Nettles, about how disgusted she was with it all. She just hated it yep. and didn't want to participate in it. Didn't think that it could be that. And I said, well, you know what I, what I do like about it is they're writing to rhythm now. Yeah. And I liked that about the way at least the lyrics would bounce. I didn't really like all the lyrics cause that it was very lifestyle-y and Sugarland was always a band about emotions or about relationships, but not necessarily about lifestyle. Like we could care less what you drive. I really don't care what you wear. I mean, they just objectified everything. You well, know. it was, they objectified everything. Yeah, I guess they did. Yeah, I mean, you know, slide your little sugar shaker on over here, you know. So now. I mean, it's fun when the we're a sugar Rolling shaker. Stones do it, but it just didn't make any sense in country music. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. No, it, it, it didn't because it, it felt like. <sighs> it felt like people who couldn't make it anywhere else and didn't know anything about country music came to country music and put out music and we let them do it. Oh my gosh. I love when you start talking mean like this. It's so fun. <sighs> it must be the, the jet lag talk jet lag talking because I normally wouldn't say that, but I'm also remembering a time when, you know, I sat down with some of these humans at an event for Merle Haggard and I asked them about Merle Haggard and they didn't know really who he was. Oh, and I wow. felt like it was a, a multi-level fail. It fell on their part. It fell on their team's part because somebody should have anticipated that if you're playing an event for Merle Haggard, somebody's going to ask you about him. Right. So, and then another time, a different broken act, one of them was wearing a Johnny Cash shirt. And I said, so do you like Johnny Cash? And it made them mad. They're like, I should be able to wear a Johnny Cash shirt, whether I like Johnny Cash or not. I'm like, well, you're in country music and you're wearing, you know, I mean, it seems like, so that's why I say that, you know, it, it felt like they would rather be someplace other than here. Ah, oh, got it. And, but, but somehow the transition into that subset of country music, the temporary, wherever we were yeah. as a commercial country conversation was one that uh, was what easily imitated by people that didn't work in country typically. Well, people who didn't work in country and then, and then you, you know, somebody coined the phrase, right? Bro country. And it was predictable. And when you have something that has not a lot of substance, that is super predictable. I think it's probably pretty easy to recreate and right. put it in different shoes and call it a different song, even if it's not. And then we had, so we had this time period if that's what we did. Yeah. And, um, well, luckily Sugarland was on hiatus. Well, I don't so think you would have really... made bro country anyway. I don't see you referring to anyone as a sugar shaker. <laughs> um, so uh, here's where my Christian Bush uh, glass is half full, right? Yes. What I enjoyed about some of that is that there became a very solid rhythmic center 
to a lot of the way that country music was written at the time, which, um, which is always fun for me. Cause I always, I like good grooves, Sure, but there wasn't, there were only a, a series of like two or three choices in country music of grooves that you would typically find. Right. Right. And they would change a little with the times, but not too terribly one side or the other. And Sugarland was easily let in the door because we were referencing either, um, acceptable enough rhythms Yep. With our country music, or we were pushing a little or pulling a little, you know, the song like even stay had no drums, you know, that reminded everybody that you can do this with just a guitar, right? <laughs> you know, and then Miranda Lambert came by and, and then her, we're talking about her house and there's no drummer in that. And it was, it was great. Um, but uh, in my continuum, I like to insist that roller skate country, I like to think started somewhere around trailer hitch, Right. Trailer Hitch is an excellent roller skating song. And the reason that we're dealing with that is because it has this sort of four on the floor feel. Now, if you were to 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 go back and understand what four on the floor means, it means that the um all four beats in the measure, dum, 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 have a kick drum on them. Dum, 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 dum. And but in your brain, you also hear the drummer hitting the snare drum on the two and the four. So it's dum, qua, dum, qua, dum. Right. Uh-huh. And the last time you heard that was in disco. Really? You might have heard it in, in like early house music or in what you might call the Manchester sound before Nirvana came and smashed our faces. Um, you heard it in some cl- like late 80s club mixes. But it's typically how you get people to dance on a dance floor is dum, ba, dum. And uh, Keith Urban started using it in all of his songs, and you never really noticed it because there was a banjo on top of it. Right. But you did understand what was happening to your hips. You were like, what is happening to me? I'm a white guy and I'm dancing. He's chair you know, dancing, like, y'all. You can't see it. Um, <laughs> so I thought, oh my gosh, maybe one of the cool things that will come out of bro country that we can move forward and, and hug a little is this rhythmic... M- way that we are using words and can we combine it again with four on the floor and if we do what does that get us you know can we can we um start writing songs that you sing back rhythmically to each other because a lot of times i try to explain to people especially new artists i work with hey man nobody cares about anything except the lyric and the beat if your song has no guitar on it and you're just singing with the drum machine it should be awesome. You should be able to sing your hit song with just you and maybe like somebody snapping their finger, right? At whatever tempo it's supposed to be. And if everyone sings along with you, you have a hit song, uh-huh. right? It, it, it's very simple. Everything else is kind of decoration, right? And it's a very Quincy Jones way to think about everything. You know, it's like Michael Jackson. But um, I've always loved this idea that, when you simplify something, what does it do? So these next uh, two songs, um, well, I know at least the one I'm presenting uh, off 52. This was completely based on the fact that I wanted to try to move roller skate country one more step down the country music board of life to see if I can get quickly to the end of success with it. And I'm inviting others to like engage in this. Like, go and absorb the best possible, like, 
the best way to do it would be my advice would be to go and find a list of songs that people who did not exist in disco music wrote influenced by disco music. So that would be like the Stones uh, Miss You. Ooh, 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 do, 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 I don't miss you. And that's a disco y Don't, don't, don't. And, um, there's there's a couple of others like that you'll see where it seeped into rock and roll mm-hmm. and your brain will be like oh oh i see what's happening here like let's dance david bowie that's all four on the floor and see how you can use this wonderful sort of rhythmic like uh, columns that are put mm-hmm. into your song that that you can hold on to and 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 create music on it within your genre. Um, one of my favorite bands now has been doing this, and it's one of the the jump points I brought to Sweet Connie Harrington when I said, "She said, what do you want to write today?'" And I was like, "I don't know, but it needs to feel like Muna." And she looked at me like, "I don't even know half of the sentence that you just said." I don't know what a Muna is. Yeah, I don't know what a Muna is. And I was like. I don't expect you to, and I don't really want you to, but let me play you something. And I, I played a song for, for it called Bodies, which was a, a, a collab that, that they did with um, uh, uh, the Knox. And one of the things that the singer's doing is she's, she's playing with words that sound similar. Mm-hmm. And you think that she's saying the same thing over and over, but she's changing it slightly each time. And it has a different meaning each time and the more you pay attention to the chorus you realize she's not repeating the chorus over and over she's singing a long chorus with homonyms you know and it's and it's not only witty but it's also beautiful because it's the same so it gives you this hypnosis so um that was our challenge and uh i told her that you know i asked her how she was doing and she's like she really needed a vacation and i was like everybody needs that there's not a version of life where I, at any point, even when I'm on my vacation, if you came to me and said, what do you need right now? I would say probably a vacation from my vacation. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, uh, so we wrote this song and then we wrote it because I put a beat on in the room and we just walked around the room and I picked up a guitar or whatever. And we just started making up lyrics to it on what we felt singing melodies. I was trying to help her be free and, 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 engage in roller skate country. Right. What I didn't expect is that we'd actually written a real song. <laughs> and um, I uh, was under the impression that we had truly written a real song. And she was like, oh no, that was a ditty. That has no chorus, no verse, no nothing. That's just a ditty. And then mm-hmm. I played it for my brother who was like, yeah, I mean, that's a fun vibe. And then I played it for like, like the people at the management place. And they were like, yeah, uh-huh. And I was like, nobody likes my song and nobody will tell me, but I understand this weird aversion to don't talk to me about it. Yes. And uh, I was like, all right. So I took that as a challenge (laughs) and I decided I will build a song out of this thing that these people think is not a song just to spite them. Mm -hmm. And the more I did it, the more I kind of enjoyed it. And then I decided I might be the only entire person that enjoys this song. Like this might not be for anyone else. And I would play it for my kids and they'd be like, uh, are we supposed to say something? K 
can we listen to something else now? Well, they didn't want to insult me. Right. But they weren't really sure if they were just listening to an, another unfinished piece of dad's stuff. Right. So um, I got all the way to the end where I had even put it on the record without it being finished. <laughs> and not only that, I put it as the first song on the record and it wasn't finished. And I sat with um, Luke, my engineer, and I was like, man, something's wrong here. And Brandon had come in that day and he goes, okay, well, what are the chords? And I couldn't tell him how it went because I had, it had, it had disintegrated into this weird sort of hypnosis that I loved, but I didn't understand what I'd made. Right. And sometimes that happens. So uh, once it, the song was due, like three days later, and I sat and made a happy version of the song and stuck it two-thirds of the way into the song. And suddenly the whole thing came, like the, the sunshine comes out in the middle of the song. And immediately I was like, oh, finally. And then we mixed it that day and I put it in. And now I get calls from my friends and even my kids. Oh, I love this song. Where'd you have this one? And it was just one of those things that it, until it was all the way finished, it sounded like it wasn't going to work. So that's my advice to you in the world of creating roller skate country. It's going to feel like you're going to fall down like Cindy at the skating rink all the time. <laughs> so create on carpet and trust yourself because eventually it's going to work. Here we go. Right. From 52 this year, this is the first track. And I like to think one of the best. Can't fix. Shine on. I like me better when you're happy laying next to me, laughing, baby. 
dancing the whole time oh i was yeah and, and, I, and i don't dance don't ask me so <laughs> so uh country music journalist mm-hmm. how do you accept that into the country music world because i might say that there are some kane brown songs that are much less country than that song yes i think there's some current Ingrid Andrus songs that are much less country than that song. I don't disagree. So does that mean I'm in the middle? Am I skating towards one edge? See what my verbs are doing there for you. Mm-hmm. I definitely, I definitely think you're, I think it's on the, I think it's on the edge, but I also think that the genre has broadened enough, or I like to think that it has now to accept the fact that, like country music fans may not only listen to country music, country music artists maybe don't have to only make country songs. And especially in the, in the world of streaming services, sure. you know, I mean, you're, you know, you can have a song on a country playlist and a song on a pop playlist and a song on a disco playlist. If mm-hmm. you want to, you know, it's like, I love that by the way. Yeah. So you don't have to make, everything fit into a neat little bucket so people can find it easily in the record store. Right. You know, but they are still, they're back to using some buckets though. Yeah. Like, you know, like, uh, I don't know. I'd be curious. Cause this is, uh, this is the type of song that is kind of somewhat intentionally challenging. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, and it's why I put it first actually on the album. Uh, because as you move through the album, it gets absolute ass opposite of that song it it does (laughs) you are traveling along a continuum yep it's like you're going from from new york city to texas (laughs) i liked your accents right there new york city to texas to texas um so you know what is your reaction to that song you just heard it you probably haven't heard it in headphones. Oh, I, I haven't heard it in headphones. It's interesting. To There's hear a lot. That now that I had explained what I was doing before I got there, did it, did it, uh, you know, where did it land for you? Oh, for sure. You know, and it, it makes you realize how much you miss in production when you listen in your car, listen on your phone, and then you hear it in headphones. It's a super interesting layered song. 
Oh yeah. <laughs> I think I tried you know? to, I tried to hope that, that one of the comments that I would get early on when I was making this is how they were like, well, it's not really a thing. It's just a vibe or it's too simple or there's not like, I don't, they, it's as if you were catching it without hearing at all what was happening. And so I decided I would just work really, really hard on where the lyrics doing, what the phrasing's doing, what the, yeah. um, the way it works with the beat, you know, like, um, there's a lot of cool production stuff. Like I, that was a little bit of a, I learned a bunch of stuff and I'm trying to use it on you. Not like a magic trick. I'm not trying to trick you with a song like that. Right. I'm actually trying to use the salt and the sugar <laughs> to make a, like a wonderful tasting dish. I, I think it's, and like when you, you talk about the four on the floor and the rhythm, I think it's an, an unexpectedly sexy song, mm-hmm. you know, too. Like I imagine it going on some of those summertime sexy playlists. Oh, I like that. I, I accept. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's a lot of fun. I think it's a lot of fun. Did it feel like summertime? Yes. Does it feel like the kind of thing that it's talking about? Oh, Absolutely. Okay, because that's what I, and I don't, I mean, can you explain that better than onomatopoetic? So onomatopoetic means, um, you know, like words that sound like what they say, like the word pop, pop, also it pops while you say the word. Yes. <laughs> right. Or splash sounds like a splash, right? Yes. Um, I was just, I wonder what the song version of that term is. Well, no, I I think you nailed it. I, I, I think that you did. And I... And I think some things you just have to experience. I don't think you have to label that. I think you, but you do. It's like when you, when you hear that song, you know, you, you're, you see, you know, a warm starry night mm-hmm. while you listen to it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, so absolutely. Well, I, I love the connection here. Um, you know, this next song, why don't you start talking about what you think about it? Cause it just came out. And I know that you've you've finally met Megan. I did Maroney, uh, this lady that I'm producing this year. And uh, so, what what in, in maybe in the from the journalist perspective, where is she sitting in country music right now? Well, I think what Megan does really well is tell stories that are that are authentic to the genre that no one else is telling in the same way. And it's been a long time since we had someone who came in and was able to kind of take common relatable experiences that everyone has and tell them in a fresh and interesting way. And I think that's what she does really, really well. And I think that's why her music is connecting. I was talking to her about this song yesterday because we're still recording. And uh, she was, she reminded me, she was, Hey, do you remember we were going to put this song on the first EP? And I was like, Oh yeah, I forgot about that. And she's like, and I I decided, she's like, I remember talking Julie, who's managing her out of that song. Cause Julie wanted this song. I'm not pretty to be on that first set of stuff. And she goes, I, I, it's such a, uh, a strange thing for women to say. It's such an odd little like hot 
point in conversation. Yeah. She was like, there, there was another song that needed to go first. So people understood that I'm not really talking about me. Yeah. Right. There was a song called uh, I Love Me So You Don't Have To, <laughs> which was a breakup song. Right. Like, hey, man, I might not be your cup of tea and don't worry about it. I love me. So you don't have to. Like, not everybody's like girls are, in my opinion, they, they, um, besides like, uh, being a vocation that I've been trying to write for and understand my whole life. Right. I, I'm constantly amazed at this idea that, um, they're very suspicious of each other. Yes. It, you know, uh, and that makes sense, you know, from a, from a, just a developmental standpoint as, you know, we are all in a tribe and, what we're trying to mate. So women are always going to be suspicious of people because it's, they're the arbiter of what goes forward. Right. They don't, if they don't want that to happen, then there is no child. Right. Right. So they are the arbiter of earth moving forward, or at least the human species. Men, men can't do that alone. Right. right. So, uh, they have to have this built in radar <laughs> that constantly gets updated. And gosh, I, I can't even imagine my radar is terrible and I'm just a dude. But, uh, so I, I was curious when she said, oh yeah, I couldn't do this song first. I had to do that song first so that this song would make a little more sense. And then I don't know, for whatever reason, I've just kind of trusted her on what songs she should do and when to do them because, uh, people trusted Sugarland to do that. Right. People trusted Billy Pilgrim to do that. So I don't think it's my business. <laughs> Getting in some artist's head, unless they're messing it up. Right. And uh, she had messed it up. So she said, uh, hey, let's record this song. And when we did, this was in the very first set of recordings for this new album of hers. And it is the very first song that has come out from this collection. Right. And um, besides being a recording that I love, because these are actually all my friends as well. So that's right. great. This is Brandon playing keyboards. This is Travis playing drums. I mean, this is Benji's playing guitar. It's your people. It's my people. And, um, you know, I, I like to giggle that if you're a fan of all this stuff, well, this is also Darkwater playing this song, you know, and you just don't know it. But it's people that I've had a, hu a long, long standing creative relationship with, and, and they are able to and have gone through lots of evolution with me. And they're able to tackle a problem and innovate on it in right. the moment. So one of the things that, Megan was really excited about was she's like, I really want this to feel like Jack Johnson type of thing. And Ooh. I was like, are you serious? Like, that's really what you want to do. And she's like, yeah. And I was like, well, why don't you teach me the guitar part that you played? And she played it for me. I said, well, how about I play that part while we're in here? So I sat on the floor and I'm playing guitar on this. And <laughs> um, one of the things you'll hear is this kind of strange, like rhythm at the top of the song in one of your ears. Mm -hmm. um, so I played the acoustic guitar and I do what I typically what's called a double, right? So I go play it once and then I go back and play the whole thing again. And then I keep both takes and turn them both up. Oh, mm -hmm. And I put them, I, I hard pan them, which means I put one in your left ear and one in your right ear. And if they're exact, you'll never know that it's, you'll think it's just one part that sounds big right. or has a special microphone on it. But the truth is, is I played it twice. And the second time I played it, I was literally trying to show 
Travis what kind of rhythm I wanted. Mm -hmm. But we did a full take. So at the beginning of it, you're going to hear me in one of your ears rubbing the top of the wood of the guitar like with my hand. (laughs) And it became the rhythm track. Oh, wow. The mix engineer was like, I love that. So it's the whole top of the song. And I got asked about it yesterday by another artist. <laughs> they were like, hey, man, what did, what happened right there? I was like, oh, you're not going to believe this. It was a total like accident. Yeah. I was just playing along knowing I was going to replace it later. And I never did because we liked it. So um, this is uh, Megan Maroney from her upcoming release. We just found out uh, that the name of the album is called Lucky. And I think it comes out in May. So, um, here, let's listen to this and then I want to talk about it because the topic is, I think it's real interesting and I hope the vibe feels like what it all is. Yeah. All right. This is a, uh, I'm not pretty. I bet one of his friends let my name slip again and it sent you down a rabbit hole spin. You know I sing, know my sign, know my drink Sows me up in a matter of minutes Did you mean to double tap that spring break throwback From 2016 in PCB Somewhere out there my ex-boyfriend's new girlfriend Scrolling through my Instagram I'm 
Did you hear what I meant about the little drum thing? Oh, it's super cool. Yeah, absolutely. I know what we were listening to that I was pointing. I was like doing hand signals like I was like a baseball coach or something. Oh, yeah. And uh, so what I meant is in the middle, there's a part where, you know, the the everything sort of drops out yes. near the end. And so what I was trying to like weirdly motion to you is that I took away all of the information about how what ear something was in. Uh-huh. So I did what they call mono. Yes. So I monoed everything. So that there was no more information about one ear or the other ear. They were both exactly the same for the first part of that drop chorus. And then suddenly we turn it back on again when it gets back into the song. And it's super cool. You start to, you know, sometimes when you are 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 playing around with a photograph and you you overexpose it or underexpose it or something, mm-hmm. like you mess with it so you understand what you're looking at. This is one of my favorite things to do. It's like, I, you don't know, you get so used to the way your world looks when you look right. through this, that when you put on like blue glasses or something, you're like, oh my God, look at everything. That's a fun thing to do with your ears. And then, and most people wouldn't understand that. Like they wouldn't. No, no. Yeah. But it's a, it, the landscape that I, I like to play with. It's like men with fashion. All we get are like shoes, belts, and sometimes a hat. Yeah. to play with girls get to wear all sorts of other stuff right dudes are just there's it's a limited amount of fashion that you have to control um in the world of music presentation and recordings there's a limited amount of of devices that you can use in order to have conversation right and um i like to use the stereo field as one of yeah. those places that mm-hmm. i like to talk it's super cool and i think it's it's really fun when you don't see it coming too and then you you get hit with something like that you're like oh what just happened yeah yeah it just it it's like an easter egg yeah when you find it's amazing well i remember as a kid when i would listen to things and people would do those kinds of stuff on recordings i always thought that's so cool what is that and i there's no one to answer the question (laughs) right (laughs) until like 15 years later i was working with somebody on a billy pilgrim thing they were like oh yeah when i worked on this blondie record i did this and i was like holy smokes you did that not only you did that but that's what that is you know it's so fun and now i i feel like i carry a responsibility to go teach the next guy but now you can kind of google it and find out but it still doesn't no matter if you know what's happening how to get it to happen it's still experiential right right it's just like it's one thing to watch someone put together the ikea bookshelf but when you do it yourself (laughs) You understand the real tricks. Yeah, you call someone to do it for you. <laughs> so uh, at the beginning of the podcast, I was I wanted to plant the seed of how do these songs both fit into country music? But before we get there, I want to ask, how do you feel about this sort of interesting thing that Megan Maroney has pointed out of this instance of her imagining her ex-boyfriend with his phone? with his that guy's new girlfriend because obviously his phone still follows his ex right right and uh she's on the phone and like digging through her old instagram of her boyfriend's ex-girlfriend yeah and that i mean first of all that's a genius reality because oh, yeah. it's true absolutely um and the second thing is uh <laughs> the part that cracks me up is the zooming in, <laughs> zooming out, zooming in. Yep. <laughs> it, and and put that into a lyric. I just think and the it sounds like what it's doing. 
zooming out, zooming in, overanalyzing. Yeah. Even the melody makes me see the screen move. Yes. So it's even onomatopoetic in its ability to show me what it's doing by the way the melody moves. So I, it's one of the joys that I have about working with her is I'm like, oh, you're naturally doing this. I'm not sure you even know you're doing it. I think the thing that I find fascinating about the song is, is it's so, you know, the, the music is so classic and so traditional paired with, you know, lyrics that could only happen now. Yeah. You know, Instagram has to exist yeah. <laughs> for this song to make sense. And I don't know. I just, I think it's a really interesting exploration of where country music is today, which is, you know, we are in the Instagram age, but we are reaching back real hard. Yeah. To our right. roots, you know, right. So real hard. Um, the other thing I'd like to, I, I didn't notice until I was mixing, really mixing the song is how I don't think, like, this is a very fine line. So I don't think someone else could have sang this song other than her. Right. Because she's pulled off this weird, what I think, I mean, we were always flirting with this when in Sugarland, but we were never able to pull it off, which is this, um, when you get to the end of the hook, the lyric, if you pay really paying attention is, uh, you know, what, whatever helps, whatever you tell yourself, go yeah. ahead. No, go ahead. Tell yourself I'm not pretty. And it's landing in a place where you're dealing with a lyric where is this uh, psychological scar of almost every girl. Yeah. Am I pretty or am I not pretty? And what's weird is she's giving the lyric to the mind of the next girlfriend. Right? So she's not even saying it herself. She's like, yeah, just go ahead and keep telling yourself I'm not pretty. Because she's not saying it. She's having the other girl say it. Right. In her head. Which is an even tighter tightrope to walk. Right. <laughs> right? But somehow it was just an obvious thing to her that, oh, yeah, there's somebody somewhere telling telling herself, ah, you know, your ex-girlfriend was too tall or too short or too big or too too little or two big hips or eyes didn't matter or hair was blah. Or, like they right. were just cutting on each other to make themselves feel like they're the right girl for that guy. Yeah. Which is a very natural thing to do. She probably does it to her, like in her relationships. Right. But the, the thinking about it happening to herself I don't think a man could have ever been involved in writing. Like I couldn't have written that with Jennifer right. because it's too deep of an inside baseball game for females, for a guy to even imagine is ground. You can even plan a song in. Right. Do you know what I mean? Uh -huh. Um, and as a man, I listen to it and it's thrilling to me that it's even a conversation not because I think it's difficult, but because it's so freaking obvious. Yeah. You know? And I, I just, I love that about what she's doing, which is you're doing something that's sitting in front of all of us and none of us will talk about it, but you will. And you don't have to be Baron Morse about it to do it. Do you know what I mean? Like you don't have to, you don't have to be drawing attention to the fact that you're actually doing it. You don't have to tell people you're doing right. it. Just go do it. Right. <laughs> and I don't mean that as a cut on mirror, but it's like, I mean that as a, 
each each female artist to me is an interesting i'm so i admire them so much because they're they're having to fight a fight that i'm aware of right i had to i had to be a part of that fight for a long time as a man not even knowing the battle was in front right and what i mean by the fight is the fight of communicating your truth in a landscape that really only wants it to be one of three things <laughs> and your truth is 30 things right you know so i, I don't know i think it's kind of cool and you would consider this a more traditional sound yes as opposed to can't fix which is a more progressive sound 200 percent. i love this yeah well you know it's what keith urban always said about pews which is if you have a super progressive lyric then you need to pair it with a traditional sound to maintain balance and vice versa. You can have a country lyric and pair it with a more progressive sound. It works the same way. So I kind of think that's a little bit what you did with these two songs. I like this. I also like that the 52-year-old has the fresh tune. You do, yeah. And the 25-year-old has the throwback. Yeah. Uh, I'll take that. I'll take that as a win. That's not even a dad joke. No, not even a dad joke. That's just a lap. Just a victory lap. Just, we're coming to that. Right. <laughs> Cindy, it's great to see you. You too, Christian. Thanks for listening and for dispensing wisdom like, I don't know, french fries at the roller rink. Woohoo. Oh, yeah. With a frosty. <laughs> it's, it is true, is it not? Yeah, it is. I re- I'll never forget teaching my son. He was like, let's go to Skip's, which is in our town. And I was like, okay, but if we're going, I need to teach you something. And he might have been nine. He was like, okay. I said, these are the two things you order. You order the French fries and the chocolate shake. He's like, oh, okay. And then we sat down. I was like, don't touch either of them. Open the shake, handful of fries, dip them in the shake, eat them. And I watched his brain just like. Yep. So fun. All right, till next week. Next week. Hey, everybody. Christian Bush here. Cindy Watts. And we would like to thank you for joining us for another episode of 52. If you'd like to write us with questions or comments, you can contact us at 52thepodcast at gmail.com. That is the number 52. Or by leaving us a voicemail at 803-900-5252. Also, remember, the best way to help us is to give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, please, and thank you. You can follow me at Christian Bush on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and you can follow Cindy at Cindy Watts on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook as well. Thank you for listening, and please join us next week.